So we are making our way through the holy sacred season of Lent, trying to seek the sacred in the everyday. We are looking with new eyes in order to see, to see the holy, to see the sacred every single day. Trying a different approach this year, instead of focusing on giving things up, fasting from things, I'm inviting us to, to make connections between the ordinary things of our lives in the extraordinary moments of grace, when we are reminded that we don't live in this life in a vacuum, but rather as a part of a story that is much larger than us. I got a note this last week from a church member. She explained to me that, that her husband had decided after hearing my sermon last week not to give up caffeine, as has been his uh, habit over the years. It turns out this was a thank you note. She simply said, believe me when I say that we are all better off since he made that decision. So for this series, we are looking at some of the ordinary, everyday things that are important in the Lenten story. Things that Jesus invited us to make sure that we see. Our text today is from the Gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthews 5, 6, and 7. In many ways, the Sermon on the Mount is the essential teachings of Jesus. Sort of the Cliff Notes version of the gospel. In fact, if all we knew about Jesus is what was told to us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in many ways, that would be enough. In this text, Jesus invites us to pay attention to some things that matter most and to stop worrying about the things that aren't that important. He seems to say that life, is, that life is about experiences. It's about connections. It's about relationships. And not the stuff that we spend so much time and energy trying to obtain. Today's scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Here begins the reading. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your God in heaven feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today 
and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will God not much more clothe you? You have little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your God in heaven knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Here ends the reading. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's one of the things that I've been trying to do recently in my preparation for writing a sermon. Early in the week, when I'm still engaging the scripture verse that I'm working with, I try to pay attention and to trust what happens to me personally. Try to notice the, the feelings, the, the emotions, the reactions that I have internally. Not just the thoughts and the questions that it raises, but how does it make me feel? And what I've discovered is that in many ways, these feelings are oftentimes more instructive than anything else. What hit me this last week, like a two by four by the side of the head, was just how hard it was when Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Did anybody else feel that way? My initial reaction from someplace deep within me was, you've got to be kidding, Jesus. You've got to be kidding. Most days, it feels like one worry connected after another. Worries at home, worries at work, you name it. The economy, the pandemic, the, the, the deadlines. How am I going to pay for my kid's college? And it's not just me, is it? Please, God, tell me it's not just me. You see, I think that we live in an incredibly anxious culture. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, there are, there are reminders of just how much there is to worry about. And so when Jesus talks about stress and anxiety and fear, these words so beautifully capture the state of mind of many people in our culture. Every year, the American Psychological Association conducts a national survey to, to, to measure and to understand the state of stress in our culture, to understand the impact that it's having on our lives. And just a couple of weeks ago, they released a report entitled Stress in America, the January 2021 Stress Snapshot. And what they noted, what they noted is that as our nation confronts a bitter election cycle, uh, a political unrest and violence, a, a shaky economy, and a soaring death toll as a result of COVID-19, that 84% of Americans say that our country has a serious, stressful societal situation. As we near the end of the, the one-year marker for the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, adults throughout the nation are reporting their highest stress levels since the start of this health crisis early last year. As part of the report, it says nobody is immune to the stress that is happening right now. Different people are experiencing different levels of stress overall. We weren't just built to maintain this level of stress in hypervigilance, in hyperarousal for this length of time. We all know. We all know the stress has a significant 
effect on our bodies. Our bodies are, are well-equipped to handle stress in, in small doses, but when that stresses into larger, long-term, almost chronic situations, it can have a serious effect on our body. Studies show, in fact, that 43% of all Americans suffer some adverse effects from stress. Dr. Michael Young says that stress can negatively impact our immune system our cardiovascular health, and worsen the experience of chronic pain in other medical conditions. It's now believed that 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are for some stress-related ailments and conditions. Now, did you notice in the text that we heard from the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus makes the connection between stress and worry and fear and materialism. He gathered with people on a beautiful spring day, much like we experienced this week, vastly different than the weather we had last week. And the sun is shining and the birds are singing. And he says, don't worry. Don't worry about your life or what you'll eat what you'll wear. Don't worry about your body. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Earlier, you may remember he had said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And just for good measure, he, he throws in that, that line about serving two masters. You're going to end up loving one and hating the other. He says, you cannot serve God and wealth. In this one lesson, in this one conversation, he talks about stress and worry and wealth and possessions all mingled. They're connected, he says. They are related to one another. Now, most of us get a little squirmy when we start talking about materialism. But since just about all of us can look at people and say that they have so much more than we do, that we can easily convince ourselves that anytime we start to talk about materialism, that obviously we must be talking about somebody else. But materialism has nothing to do with how much or how little you and I have in our bank account. It has little to do with whether we drive a, a shiny Rolls Royce or an old beat-up Chevy Geo. Materialism is an attitude about possessions and their importance. It's an attitude which attaches stuff, more value, more worth than it deserves. It's about priorities. And Jesus says that materialism and stress and worry, they go, they go hand in hand. Two sides of the same coin if you will, pun intended. We're told every day, thousands of times every day, aren't we, that we need bigger, that we need better, that we need more. Dave Ramsey says that we live in the most advertised to culture in the history of the world. Points out that hundreds of millions of dollars are spent telling us we need this. And that has an effect on us, he says. We receive a bombardment of messages every day that simply tell us, you are not enough. Think about what that does to people every day, over and over, hearing that message, getting the message, 
that you are not enough, that your hair, your skin, your clothes, your body, it's relentless. So do you ever feel like you're on a treadmill, working harder and harder, spending more and more, getting more and more stressed, less and less content? If so, you're not alone. It's fascinating that in the last 50 years, the trend has to been to build bigger and bigger houses. The, the average sized house has increased three times since the 1950s. We have three times more space and smaller families. So you would think that we would have all of this extra space than we do. Plenty of room for all of our stuff. But no. In fact, the self-storage industry is now a $38 billion industry. We have triple the space, but we've become so good at acquiring more that we need even more space for all of our stuff. So where does this lead? It leads to increased stress, more debt, and not coincidentally, not coincidentally, our happiness level as a nation has flatlined in that same time. Maybe that's why Henri Nouwen speaks about a filled yet unfulfilled life. Before Graham Hill was 30, he sold his tech startup company that he founded for millions of dollars. He made more in his 20s than most of us will make in our entire lives. And he, he decided that he was going to really live it up, that he was going to, uh, to start living large. There was swanky furniture, there was fast cars, but in the process of, of jet setting around the world, something hit him. He said simply, in the process of acquiring lots of stuff, I started to feel more empty, wasteful, not very conscious about the whole thing. And I started realizing that I wasn't any happier even less so than when I had a smaller, simpler life. So he decided to start over, to build a more simple life, and he bought a 420-square-foot apartment in New York City and decided to strip everything down. And in many ways, that has become his, his cause. And he says that we should really think every time we buy ourselves... Before we buy it, we ask ourselves, is that really going to make us happier, more content? What I came to see, he says, is that life really is about experiences, connections, relationships. And so we should maximize our time and focus on that and minimize our energy focused on acquiring more stuff and dealing with it. Think back to a time in your life when you had less, you understood the joy of having less. Maybe, maybe it was when you were in college and, and living in a dorm. Or maybe when you were traveling, camping, and all you had was a tent and a backpack. It gave you a little more freedom, didn't it? More time. Did you feel a little bit more present? More relaxed? So Graham started this project called Life Edited. And it helps people live a more full life with less stuff. The best, best place to start, he says, is to edit 
ruthlessly. To clear the arteries of our lives. To, to That shirt that you haven't worn, get rid of it. That book that you read years ago, let it go. Peter Walsh is a decluttering guru. And he tells a story of, of working with a woman who wanted to help find the floor again in her home. She had in her master bedroom baby clothes and bassinets stacked all the way to the windows. But what's fascinating is that her children were all teenagers. So when he approached her and gently suggested that perhaps some of those items might be able to go, she said, no, 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 I'm not letting go of anything. It's all very important to me, she said. He told her that, that was okay, but he also asked her, are your best memories with your children in front of you or behind you? And when he asked that, she started sobbing. The clothes, she said, represented a time when she felt most important to her family. And she was worried. She was worried that letting go of those clothes would, would somehow mean that she would lose her place and her importance in her children's lives. You see, these things, this stuff has so much power over us that we shop to stop the heartache, to, to distract us from our anxiety, to buy somehow a new future. But the stuff piles up, and then one day we can't find the floor anymore. We're not grounded anywhere. Certainly not grounded in God. There is a movement that has grown fairly rapidly in the last several years. It coincides with Lent, but is not necessarily religious. It's sort of crossed over. It's called simply 40 bags in 40 days. And the idea is that you focus on cleaning one area of your home every day. One closet, one drawer. And in this one area, you challenge yourself to declutter, to simplify, to get rid of things that you just don't need anymore. The goal is one bag a day, but you can have more, you can have less. And let's be honest, if, if the idea of getting rid of a bag of stuff every day seems too big for you, maybe start with one item every day. You see, it's all about, it's all about getting rid of emotional clutter to figure out how to handle all of the things that are holding us back from the life that God entrusted to us. To get rid of all the stuff that really, really in the long run isn't that important. To clear our minds, to clear our hearts, to clear our lives for the things ultimately that matter most. There's a documentary on Netflix right now called Less Is Now. And it points out that all that stuff is actually contributing to our discontent in so many ways because it's taking the place of stuff that actually do make us happy. So what it is, what is it that brings you joy? I'm willing to bet that it's probably the simple things in life. Things like watching the sunrise, things like calling or having coffee with someone you love lighting a scented candle or slipping into clean sheets. It's laughing with a good friend, an afternoon nap on the couch, unfollowing someone who gets you all riled up. 
writing a thank you note, cooking your favorite meal. My guess, my guess is that the simple things bring the most joy. You see, life ultimately is not about the stuff. It's about experiences. It's about connections. It's about relationships. I'll close with this. Mike Robbins is an author, a leadership expert. He's written books like Focus on the Good Stuff, Be Yourself Because Everybody Else is Taken. He's written one called Nothing Changes Until You Do, a couple others. And in one of the books, he tells a story about riding one day in a taxi cab to the airport. And he's on his phone, and the driver, though, was trying to engage him, asking him questions. Finally, Mike was distracted, and so he put down his phone and decided to be present in this conversation. And, and this driver was clearly an immigrant. And Mike asked, so, so what do you think of America? But to this question, the driver remained silent. And then once they arrived at the airport, the, the driver pulled over to the curb, and he turned off the car. And he turned around to Mike, and he looked him in the eye, and he said, since you asked, I'll tell you. I think Americans are spoiled. I think Americans are spoiled. I, I am from Ethiopia, and most of the people in my country live on less than $2 a day. Every day in America is a good day, he says. Mike would later reflect and say that if he hadn't put down his phone, if he hadn't been present, he would have missed this encounter, this life lesson, this reminder about what truly matters in our lives. Seeking the sacred in the everyday is about living with eyes wide open, paying attention to what really matters in life. Julie Richardson, who wrote the devotion that we are using throughout this season, says in one of her devotions from this last week, what matters is that we pay attention. What matters is that we have someone close by to grab hold of us as we watch and listen for a glimpse of Christ among us. What matters is that we take off the blinders of the rat race and we really see the world that we live in. What really matters is that we learn to be fully present in whatever moment we find ourselves, realizing that if we don't, that all too soon we will have missed so much. It's the simple things. Experiences, connections, relationships. It's the simple things, not the stuff. 